This is the How'd You Get Into That Podcast with Grant Baldwin, episode 51. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to episode 51 of the How'd You Get Into That Podcast. Great to have you here today. Hope you're enjoying these uh, these stories, these interviews, these journeys as we help you uh, find and do work you love. And uh, just delighted and excited that you are here today, my friends. Hey, we've got a great show for you today. Before we get into today's guest and what we're doing, I've been teasing you a little bit over the past, I guess, several months now, maybe, or several episodes at least, about a, a new project we've been working on. And I want to let you know that we are nearing completion. It's, uh, it's like we're in the third trimester of giving birth. So I'm just going to let you think of that analogy, get that little uh, beautiful image. And it is beautiful, people. That's the image of life being born, okay? Look past all the disgustingness of what happens and just know that there's life coming into the world and I'm going to give birth to it. This analogy has gone way off the rails, but we're going to go with it anyway. Hey, anyway, so uh, we've been working on this uh, this new course because one of the biggest emails that uh, are most common emails, I guess, I get from people is people saying, hey, I'm trying to figure out what it is that I want to do because either I have a hundred different ideas of things I'm interested in or I have no idea what I'm interested in. And so many people would say, Grant, I, I'm doing some type of job I hate. I know I don't want to do this. I just don't know what I'd rather be doing. And so we've been working with a team of people over the past several months, uh, helping you help and create just some type of structure and system, really, and just really a thought process to help you find and do work you love. We don't want to just talk about it. We want you to actually do it. So uh, we've been putting this together, really, really excited about it. And so if you are interested in this course, if this sounds like, man, I'm, I'm in that spot, I need to hear more about this. I'm going to tell you at the end of the show how you can uh, get some more info on that. So I'm just going to leave you hanging with that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to play with your emotions, but we got a good show. Let's get into that. Hey, today we are interviewing my friend Jason Surferapp. Yeah, that is actually his last name. And Jason is a guy, he has actually sold his last name twice. So it is currently Surfer App. I kid you not, he's he's legally changed it to that. Previously, he built a business wearing t-shirts every day from different companies. And he's a guy who's just been trying these crazy ideas. So I'm excited to, to share his story and journey with you today. So let's get into it. Here's Jason. Enjoy. All right, what is up? Today, I am joined by my friend, Jason Surfer App. Yes, you heard that correctly. That is actually his last name. He has legally changed it to that. He is the artist formerly known as Jason Sadler, but we will get into all of that today on this episode of How'd You Get Into That? So, Jason, what is up, my friend? Welcome to the show. Grant, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think I'm one of the few guests that, pe- that you know come on people's podcasts and they're like, what do I call you? And I'm like, just Jason works. I've, you know, that that hasn't changed. You got that part that stayed the same. My, your mom is uh, still happy about that. Yeah, exactly. So, All right. So give us a snapshot of what, what it is that you do. Uh, I know you're an entrepreneur. You've got your hand in a few different things, but give us an overview of, of what your business is like today. Yeah, I've done a lot of things over the past couple of years. My entrepreneurial journey didn't really start when I was younger. You know, I wasn't the kid selling lemonade and a lemonade stand or any of that. I mean, I, I had a bunch of normal jobs, went to college, got a nine to five job, you know, did all that stuff and got my start trying to get paid to wear t-shirts for a living during the recession of 2008, which is always the best plan to kick off your entrepreneurial journey. But I quickly built uh, the business I Wear Your Shirt from nothing, just an idea that everyone said I was crazy to do to basically a social media marketing company, if you will, that generated over a million bucks in five years and grew from one person to eventually eight. 
and has since I've I've retired uh, from professional t-shirt wearing. And in that time, I also sold my last name twice, which is crazy, and I'm sure we'll dive into that. And then most recently, I wrote what uh, what I think is the first ever fully sponsored book. 204 sponsors grace the pages of uh, my book, Creativity for Sale, which which tells my story. And you know, I'm doing a bunch of random stuff. And so my kind of my website, my thing where pretty much everyone follows me or jumps on my my newsletter or whatever is JasonDoesStuff.com and. That's really what I do. I just do a lot of stuff. Nice, very cool. Well, I'm interested to hear the various different stuff that you've uh, you've been involved <laughs> in and you've got your start. Let's go back a little bit. Where did you grow up? I kind of grew up everywhere. I was born in Arizona, but I moved from there to California, then to Virginia, then to New Jersey, and then ended up in Florida where I am now. And as we were talking about before the show, I'm getting ready to move back to California. But yeah, I, I wasn't a military family. Just had a single mom growing up who was, you know, always trying to chase a better job and a better life for us. And, you know, it was it was change from the very beginning for me. And so I've, I've never had a problem with change. I've never had a problem with meeting new people. I mean, I, I wrote in my book about, you know, one of the stories I remember of walking into a new cafeteria four times in high school as I went to four different high schools. And that's tough. I mean, that'll thicken yeah. up your skin really quickly. So, you know, angry YouTube comments or commenters don't bother me. <laughs> it was the kids in the lunchroom that they really got under my skin and I learned how to deal with that. So, yeah, I moved around a bit and uh, finally ended up in Florida, which is where I've been since 2000. When, uh, growing up, what did you want to do with life? <laughs> I wanted to be a zoologist, actually. Nice. That and I wanted to, to draw cartoons. It's funny. This is a very weird thing, but I start my day every single day now by reading Calvin and Hobbes. It's like my all-time <laughs> favorite comic ever. And every time I read it, I always end up with a smile on my face. And I figure, you know, there's so many people out there that, you know, you got to start your day with, with meditation or with whatever. I mean, it's my form of happiness every morning. There's never anything that's going to make me unhappy with those comics. So I think it's, you know, it's kind of silly. But yeah, I was a... I was a, a budding comic strip zoologist when I was eight years old. Very nice, very nice. Once you wrapped up high school and the, uh, the going through the trenches there, uh, literally and figuratively, what was your plan from there? Did you, did you go to college? I did, yeah. When I was 14 or 15 years old, my mom got her gateway computer, which I think a lot of us can remember that. Uh, yeah. that they had like the cows on the boxes, right? Cow box, yep. Yes. And, uh, and so, yeah, we set that thing up. And, you know, for the 17 minutes it took me to log on to AOL through our modem, mm. I, you know, was messing with building websites with GeoCities and ColdFusion and Dreamweaver. I mean, everybody who, you know, first got online back in that time really under, you know, realized what it was like to build websites, which is just awful. But I, I enjoyed that stuff and I thought it was interesting. So I kind of taught myself graphic design and I, I actually had a job opportunity to do design full time before going to college. And my mom was like, no, you need to go to college. You got to get a good education. And of course, you know, this is this is back in the early 2000s. So, you know, there wasn't like this big movement of online education or even just entrepreneurship, I think, for this generation. So, yeah, I, I went to college. I was in New Jersey at the time going to high school, which for me is the armpit of America. So sorry for any of your listeners who live there and love it. I'm just not a fan. But I, I said I wanted to be somewhere warm and I wanted to get out of New Jersey. So I, I, I had an opportunity to play basketball for a small school in Jacksonville, Florida called Jacksonville University. So I, I came down here, tried to play basketball. That didn't work out. Tried to do graphic design at that school. That actually didn't work out either. Their, their department was terrible. So I transferred schools and I ended up at University of North Florida, which is basically the sister school of University of Florida, the bigger school. And I was still here in Jacksonville and I graduated with a degree. And by the time I was out, I was ready to get into the nine to five world. What was your degree in? It was in graphic design with a, a minor in psychology of all things, okay. just because I, I randomly filled my schedule with classes that you know, I thought might be interesting. 
So were you planning on just going down the traditional path at that point? You're going to just find a, I guess, find a firm or an agency and, and be a graphic designer? Yeah, I, you know, I, I like to say that college really sucked the entrepreneurship out of me because as soon as I graduated, I had no desire, interest, or even thought that I could start my own business anymore. And I, I had been selling like little small websites of my own before uh, college. And so when I, I graduated, I really just said, all right, well, I have to get a job. I have to use this degree that I got. And I, I knew I didn't like graphic design. I just did it because it was easy. And so I applied at a bunch of places and I actually got a job, you know, that was like three minutes from the place where I lived that was working for men's professional tennis, which is the ATP, the governing body, which kind of runs all of professional tennis. And, and I was going to be a graphic designer and I'll never forget my interview. You know, the, the guy asked me, one of the questions was, you know, can you name the top five tennis players right now? And I was like, well, <laughs> can you name the top five tools you should use in Photoshop to create a website design? You said and that? was like... No. And I was like, all right, well, I can't either. Like, I, have no, I don't even know a tennis player. Maybe Andre Agassi. Like, that was it. Yeah. He was like, all right, well, you're hired. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think my resistance to that world started pretty much during my interview. And, and for three and a half years, I worked as a designer. And it was a fantastic place to work. I mean, I can't complain about it. My boss that hired me was just such a great guy and mentor. But he knew, like, he would just ask me, like, why are you here? You know, why are you staying here? You, you have so much more talent and the corporate ladder is not for you. Did you identify that in yourself early on that maybe I'm on this path, maybe this is the path of least resistance, but I, in the back of my mind, I'm kind of going, what am I doing here? Exactly. And I think the, the big thing for me was, why do I have to hate Mondays? Like, why do I have to on Sunday just be so angry and upset and just bummed out that I had to get up and go to work? And I, you know, I had like a three minute commute. It wasn't even like I had to go sit in traffic forever, but I just I, I knew that I hated that feeling and that, you know, I, I didn't want to climb the corporate ladder and, and I don't like climbing normal ladders. So, I you know, it wasn't for me, it was just weird to put myself in a position where I didn't like being there. I didn't like the work I was doing. The people were great, but it just it didn't feel right. And so eventually I think those feelings really took over my, you know, oh, I want to secure a paycheck every week to, you know what, this this doesn't feel right. I feel like I want to start my own thing. I want to, you know, get out of this kind of rat race, if you will. You were there for three and a half years. At what point do you start kind of asking some of those internal questions of yourself? Yeah, we went through a couple different CEOs. I say we, like I'm still a part of that company. <laughs> See, that's what they do to you. Um, <laughs> You're just brainwashed. You're in. I know. It's uh, like the mob. Yeah, they went through a couple different CEOs. And, and I think it was like the second or third CEO where I was there. And he brought me in for a meeting and he was like, you know, I see you being the art director of, you know, men's tennis. And the guy who was the previous art director, bless his heart, great guy, but had worked there for like 30 years and was still making like a measly salary. And, you know, it's a very small business. So you kind of hear what everybody's making or at least have some idea. And I was like, this, not that money was like the huge motivator, but that's my ceiling. Like that's the top of where I can go. Right. That was a huge red flag. And I think that was with about a year left that I started to say, okay, things need to change. Something needs to just become different for me and I need to do something else. Once you kind of identify that you've got to do something different, are you just thinking, well, I just need to find a different agency. That's just a better fit. Or where's your head at at that point? Yeah, I had a bunch of friends who were also designers and, and I'd gone to school with. And so we stayed in touch via email. And, you know, this was like pre-Facebook. So really, it was just like email and, and actual phone calls and hanging out. And they were saying the same things that their agency jobs, you know, even like these prestigious agencies in town that had these great clients. They're like, this is this is terrible. Like, I don't want to be here. The work is awful. I hate Mondays. I was like, I hate Mondays, too. How do we not hate Mondays? And, you know, a friend of mine, we would have kind of 
dinner every couple of weeks at this cheeseburger joint. And, and he said, you know, what if we started our own thing? And I said, I'm on board. Like, what do we have? To <laughs> I'm do? in. I like that for me was it. And so we basically set up a six month plan where I was going to try and get him to quit his job and go full time. I would be, you know, working on this at night and, and trying to get clients and move away from most of the design stuff and do kind of the sales and marketing only because he was a way better designer than I was. I didn't have any experience in it, but I was willing to just try it. And before we knew it, we, you know, we landed a $10,000 client, then we landed a couple $5,000 clients. And all of a sudden we had enough money in the bank and enough clients that both of us could do this full time. And so basically from that cheeseburger dinner to about six months, the plan that we laid out, um, you know, I worked late at night and I, I hustled and made a lot of phone calls on lunch breaks and uh, really just worked myself uh, out of the nine to five job and was able to put in two weeks. And that was probably one of the best feelings ever was to walk in and go, I'm out, you know, like drop, drop the mic. The mic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Drop the mouse, if you will, in the graphic design world. And then ask them if I could take my laptop with me because I couldn't really afford to buy a laptop. But yeah, so that was that was it. I mean, it was such a great feeling. And then, yeah, did that for a year and a half before starting I Wear Your Shirt. That's interesting, too, that a couple points there that, you, you know, you start hanging out with some buddies who are just kind of like minded, who are also having the same types of thoughts. And, and I think there's huge value in just and starting to look beyond your own little bubble and circle. I know that there's a lot of people who listen to the show who've reached out and said, once I found the show, I realized that I'm not the weird one, you know, yeah. and that doing something that you love shouldn't be the exception to the rule. You know, it should be yeah. something that we should all figure out and pursue. And so one of the things, you know, I, I tell people a lot is doing something you love isn't easy, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And most people just settle for something less. So not only just kind of getting it on your radar, but then I like what you said of, of just meeting with a couple guys, you get together and you create a plan. And it's it's one thing to just sit and daydream all day of like, wouldn't it be great if we just worked for a cool company? Wouldn't it be great if we had our own thing? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to work here? And wouldn't it be great? Yada, yada, yada. And just kind of like all these hypotheticals was like, no, 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 we're going to make a plan six months, we're going to put it on the calendar. And six months, something's going to change, you know, good, bad, yeah. ugly, something's going to happen, rather than just cl clicking our heels and magically hoping it all falls into place. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I didn't even know that Jim Rohn quote at the time, but, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with or whatever. Right. And the people that I was spending the most time with were also miserable at their jobs and hated what they were doing. So we all just, you know, commiserated together. And instead, when I started hanging out with other people who didn't like their jobs, who wanted to start their own thing, who wanted to get out, I mean, that was that was just eye opening. You know, it was like being struck by lightning. And, and that really was like, wow, you know, I need to stop hanging out with the people who hate their jobs, just want to get drunk on Friday and Saturday and then, you know, hate Mondays and then that's it. You know, it's just it, that I had to get around better people. And without even knowing it, I did that. And it just led to so much better things. And that's been a such a continuing thing throughout my life. I mean, just, you know, we can dive into that later. But, you know, just surrounding yourself with better people who are more intentioned into the things that you want to be doing or, or in alignment with the things that you want to be doing just does so much for you. Yeah, there's huge value in just identifying like, who is it that I want to be in five yeah. years? And how did they get there? Because again, like we just talked about they don't just magically wake up and you they're suddenly there and that doesn't work for you either. You've got to be really, really intentional about surrounding yourselves with those people. And I was just talking with a couple of buddies this morning that one of the guys was like, I'd say a secret sauce to my success. This is him talking and said a secret sauce to my success is I've just, I've been really intentional about building relationships with people that are living the kind of life that I want to have and building the kind of business or having the kind of career that I want to have and just making sure that I'm around those people. And not like you said, just being around those people that are just dragging you down and you're like, I 
Every time I'm around these people, I hate myself. But these people yeah. over here, when I'm around them, I don't know. I feel inspired and I, I feel encouraged. So you start the uh, your own agency, it sounds like. You're kind of doing websites. Things are going well. You said you do that for about a year and a half or so. How, how's that going? Are you enjoying it? Is it closer to where you want to be or is it still feeling like something's missing? Or what, what are you thinking at that point? No, I mean, it was amazing. And it's it's one of those things where... I look back on it and I can totally realize that, you know, starting a design company is very different than starting a crazy idea like I wear your shirt. People understand design. That's been done for years. It's There's processes for it. Like there was that we didn't have a lot of bumps in the road because it's a very established type of business. So, you know, we just had to find the right clients. We had to do the right work. And and it was great. I mean, we, we built it to about a quarter of a million dollar company. There were only four of us. You know, one was a part time accountant, two designers and myself. And, you know, we got to work with uh, Kanye West at one point. We did his MySpace page. That tells you, like, how far back this wow. was when that was a relevant thing. And so, like, we had opportunities like that that came about and just, you know, had some really great clients. So it was – honestly, it was it was great. I mean, I really enjoyed it. But I felt inside of me, like, this next kind of step of, of entrepreneurship that was like, this still isn't my own thing. This isn't me. This isn't – you know, I love building this and I love creating something. But I'm not re- really being fulfilled by this. I'm just – I'm doing something, I'm making some decent money, and I'm kind of sitting around all day twiddling my thumbs going, I know I could be doing so much more. And I think there's huge value in recognizing that of, you know, from the outside looking in, you're going, well, you're working for a, a corporation where things are going well and it's fine, but it's not really what you want. And then you leave that and you're doing your own deal. What's not to like, you yeah, know, but, but exactly. still recognizing like, yeah, I'm closer but there's still something there that I know that I could get even closer. And, you know, I'm enjoying, you know, 70% of what I'm doing, but I think I could get it to 80% if I make some tweaks here and just identifying that. So then where does this idea of I wear your shirt.com come from? Yeah, we had, so we had a bunch of clients and our clients were, you know, this is about 2007, 2008. We're going, Hey, what's going on with social media? You know, you guys are doing our design and stuff. We know that, you know, you might know some stuff about marketing, What's, so what's up with Facebook? What's up with Twitter? And of course, I'm the point of contact. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm on the phone with them. And I'm like looking these things up because I have no idea. I, really, my Facebook account was created by my roommate at the time because I think he was trying to meet girls because his college address wouldn't work or something. So I think I had 120 friends that were all just really attractive girls that I'd never met before, which is not a bad thing. It's good but, for street cred. Yeah. So I heard the businesses talking about this. As I started to look at social media websites, I saw the opportunities of all these people. I mean, at the time, it was only millions of people, which is a lot. But there were real connections, real conversations, you know, real kind of social things going on, much different than what social media is today, actually. But that opportunity, you know, the middle of that, I said, I think I could fill this gap. I could connect these two groups, the people that are already here talking and hanging out and doing stuff that want to find interesting companies or want to be introduced to them. And then interesting companies over here who have good stories and and have an interesting product or a great service and they don't have a way to connect the two. And I said, what if I just, you know, talked about these companies every day and I was standing in my closet, you know, this idea was kind of bouncing around my head and I'm looking at all my t-shirts that have all these brand logos on them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Every company in the world can or does make T-shirts. Why not wear a T-shirt? I already like I don't enjoy picking out my T-shirt every day. I'm a guy. Most guys don't care what T-shirt they wear. And I could just wear a shirt. I could talk about these companies on these social media networks. I could tweet about them. I didn't know what a tweet was. So I was already saying these things wrong. (laughs) You know, I, I could post on my wall. I could do all these things. And so I, I like quickly hopped on Instant Messenger again, telling you the timeline that we're on here. And I'm talking to a couple of people and they're all like, this is crazy. No one's going to pay you to wear a shirt. Like, what is a Twitter? Like, go back, you know, just go back to your job. Like, stop worrying about this. 
but I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I think most entrepreneurs can relate to that. When you have an idea that you just cannot stop thinking about, like every second of the day while you're sleeping, while you're cooking meals, while you're doing anything, you know, just is pulling at you. And this idea was just pulling at me. And I think, you know, it, it reminded me of the million dollar homepage. And that was probably back in my the back of my mind. And if, if you're not familiar with that, it was this guy, Alex, too, basically sold a million pixels on a website and each pixel was a dollar. And he was able to you know, basically have this huge internet billboard back in, I think, 2005 or 2006. And so I was thinking about this. I was like, wow, this is kind of a mix of that with you know, kind of marketing and, and even just some standard advertising stuff, right? There are people on billboards and on print and on radio who represent companies. And I could kind of put this all together for the social media angle. So I did. We built a website because that's what we did as a company. And I launched it and 12 people showed up and I thought it was going to be a complete failure. <laughs> I think, you know, just putting up a website, I made me realize very quickly that there are a lot of websites in the world. And it's like putting up a, a billboard in the desert that you kind of have to tell people that it exists uh, right. because there's, there's so much out there. And so I, I started to email my friends and family and I didn't ask them to buy. I just asked them to share the idea. And through some of those initial emails of saying, here's the website, you know, here's what I'm thinking about doing, you know, the question had been raised, you know, my original thought was $100 per day. I was going to sell the entire 2009 calendar at $100 per day. And they're like, that's not really an attractive price. Plus, it also gets you only like 36000 bucks. What if you did something different, like maybe a dollar on the first day or a dollar on this or, you know, $2 on the second day? all the way up increasing every day. And so I went into Excel because I didn't know how to quickly add this up. And I typed out 365 <laughs> things and selected them all. And it told me it was $66,795. And I was like, wow, that's a lot more attractive. So, you know, I kind of made, we made some tweaks as we were going, you know, the little pivots that you do as you launch a business or start something is you hear feedback from people. And then I really just started to keep reaching out to people. I, you know, I got on Twitter. I was very active, engaging with people, real conversations, you know, searching hashtags and actually talking to people. And it just started to spiral. It just started to get some attention. And then through some of my emails, I met a New York Times reporter and she did an interview, which was really just two questions via Gchat, very glorified in the interview quotes. <laughs> but I was able to leverage that and go back to all these people that I had been talking to and say, hey, I just did a New York Times interview. They didn't have to know that it wasn't going to be on the front page of the New York Times. But, but as an interview, it counts. Exactly. Leveraging that PR gave me some credibility. And this was before I'd even started. This was like October of 2008. And I was saying I was going to do this in January of 2009. So before I got started, I had five and a half months of my calendar sold uh, before I ever got paid to wear a T-shirt. And uh, I just told people, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear the shirt, promote you on Facebook, on Twitter, make a YouTube video, do a live video show. And then things really just kind of took off from there as it got started. That's crazy. So the, the general idea was basically you would wear a brand shirt each day, a different shirt each day, and just kind of talk about that shirt, promote them. And that was just the, the, kind of the, the genesis behind the idea. Yeah. And, and just bring like a humanistic thing to advertising, right? Like have a real person talking about it and not just commercially pitch these things, but say like, hey, this is my life. You're looking in on it. Here's the things that I'm normally doing. Like watch me cook dinner in this shirt. Like I'm just going to do the normal things that everyone does and bring you along with me. And and it just became this, I think, very voyeuristic thing. There were three million page views to the I Your Shirt website in the first two years. And who shows up to watch a billboard change? You know, when the ad changes on a billboard, no one stands in front of it and watches it. But 
I had people coming in droves to see the new shirt of the day because it was just interesting. It was a very different way to have these companies have their stories told by a you know a nobody from Jacksonville, Florida. Whenever you started the site, was the idea like, hey, I'm gonna this is my ticket. This is what I'm gonna use to get out of of just designing one off web pages. But I'm gonna this is the next thing for me. Or is it just kind of like let's just try this and see where it goes? Or what what's what are you kind of thinking at that point? Yeah, it was it was a mix of both because I think when I first thought of it, I said, okay, this could work for a year, but I think there's a bigger opportunity where I could have 50 people or 100 people or 1,000 people wearing T-shirts and create this new medium for advertising. And then the other side of it was like, eh, maybe this is just like a fun side project and you know I'll sell 100 days or something and make a couple extra thousand bucks and go from there. And and so when when it actually got started and the momentum started to roll, I mean, I really craved that. I mean, I I like I enjoyed that. I loved it. It was kind of my own drug. Really, was like selling these days and getting new sponsors and meeting new people. And I was I was addicted to the to the growth of it and just watching it, you know, become my own thing and knowing that it was me putting in all the hard work and, and doing everything behind the scenes to make it happen. And so, I, you know, when it started to take off and when it started to get traction, I kind of knew, all right, I need to make a distinction on. That if I'm going to do this full time and grow it, I've got to step away from the design thing, which I did and, you know, started doing I Reassure just full time and, and was able to kind of, as I said, grow it. So whenever you're doing that, did you that first year, did you sell all 365 days? Yeah. So I started January 1st, 2009. Like I said, five and a half months were sold. And in that time, the rest of the year sold out by August 10th. So it was, you know, it got picked up by pretty much every news outlet in the world, which is crazy. I was on the CBS Evening News, uh, Good Morning America, Fox, you know, internationally, I was on Reuters everywhere. And so once that story sold of like this guy got paid $66,000 to wear t-shirts for a living for a year. Then I was like, okay, how do I grow this? I recruited a second shirtwear and we doubled the price, launched a calendar for the next year. And we were able to sell that in six months. It was already sold out. So, you know, I, I really saw that there was definitely some potential and just kind of kept growing it. And I, I wanted to grow it bigger, but I, I didn't, there wasn't enough demand where I could say, all right, I need 50 shirtwares. So it went for myself at one to two people in the second year, double the price five people the third year at five times the price. And that was where I really saw like, I hit the, the really, I think the ceiling for what I was doing. And then in 2012 was, was actually kind of a downhill for me and for I wear your shirt. But you know, that's four years of getting paid to wear t-shirts for a living when most people probably thought it wouldn't even stand a chance to sell one day. Yeah. And I think there's a great lesson there that, you know, realistically, you probably couldn't work a 30 or 40 year career just wearing t-shirts, but you tried an idea. It worked for a couple years. It was fun. It makes a great story. And then that's fine. Then you move on, you know, and it's, and are you still doing it in some degree? No. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, exactly like you said, I wish that when you're in that zone, you kind of can't realize that, right? It's really hard to see it from the outside to be like, okay, like let's step away and let's create new opportunities from the momentum that I've got. It was more, this is my baby and I built this and I don't want to let it go and I'm going to feel like a failure if I walk away from it. So I really went through some emotional ups and downs in 2012 and I finally decided to walk away in 2013 because there were other opportunities that presented themselves and then I realized that this one business, this one thing that I had come up with was not going to define me for the rest of my life. And like you said, I couldn't do this for 30 to 40 years. As many pivots as I wanted to come up with for the business, it wasn't going to sustain itself. But it was capturing a, a, a moment in time, right? I mean, there was an opportunity yeah. that I was able to capture and to take advantage of that worked really well. I mean, it was it was record-breaking traffic and sales days for a lot of businesses using I Shirt. I mean, Pepperidge Farm launched a cracker through I Shirt, and they said it was the best marketing spend in probably like their 100 years of existence, which is amazing, right? That's, That's a little business 
I came up with in my closet. <laughs> I really just took, you know, I had some time in 2012. I walked away in 2013. You know, the website's still up. It does an email capture thing. I, I'm really not sure. I've had a couple ideas for franchising and growing and doing other things. But, you know, I've, I've had other opportunities that pre- have presented themselves. And I think that that's, that's a huge lesson that I've learned is, you know, I took action with I Reassured. I started an idea that most people didn't believe would have a chance to work. And I just was willing to say, nope, I believe in this. I'm going to work at it. And no matter what happens, success or fail, I'm going to learn and move forward. And through that action, you know, a lot of opportunities presented themselves. And it wasn't luck. It was hard work. You know, it's, again, like another quote. It's, you know, the, the harder I work, the luckier I get. You know, yep. Gary Player said it. A bunch of people have said it. But it's true. I mean, if you just take action, if you just start and do something – you, it will always lead to something else. The initial idea may fail miserably and may you know, be a fiery ball of death, but you can walk away from that. That's not going to define the rest of your career or the rest of what you do. You just have to learn from that experience. And so that's really what I tried to do. And, and I'm still, I mean, I'd be lying if I said that I wish that I reassure could still be going because it really was my first baby, my first entrepreneurial thing that I created. Uh, but I've really come to terms with the fact that, like you said, it doesn't have to live forever. It led me to new things and I can move forward with it. Right. So where does this last name thing come into play? Because you, you have uh, legally sold your last name for, you've done this twice now, right? Yeah. Give us the, the, the idea behind the, this idea. Yeah, 2012, I uh, got a Skype call from my mom, which never happened. And she was crying when I, when I popped open Skype and I was like, wow, this isn't good. And she told me that she was going to be getting a divorce from my stepfather, who was my third father at the time, unfortunately. And I said, you know, okay, uh, the circumstances weren't great. So I was like, well, I'm obviously sticking with you and I don't want this last name either. So I'm going to sell my last name, you know, just kind of as an off the cuff joke. And a couple months later, we had a, a planning meeting with I Reassured. And like I mentioned, we were kind of in a downturn and we had downsized the company. There were just three of us left. And I was really trying to think of a way that we could get some attention. And I said, guys, what if I sold my last name? Like, what if I actually went through with that? And they all looked at me and they're like, we thought you were just kidding. Like, you really like want to do this. And I said, what does the last name matter to me? My last name has never been an identifier or a definer of who I am as a person. And for most people, that's not, you know, they've had the same last name forever. They have a lineage. You know, that hasn't been that for me. You know, my identity has been through the stuff that I've done and the people that I've met and, you know, the companies I've worked with. So it actually felt like a natural fit for me to kind of take this next step. So I, I bought the domain buymylastname.com. It was shockingly available. I did some quick research to see if anybody had done this, which means I went to page two of Google. That's where you do the deep research. <laughs> exactly. And, and no one had done it, probably for good reason. But I, I launched this website, uh, started it at $0, created this, this auction basically for 30 days. And I, I launched it to an email list that I built up to 600 people. I mean, nothing crazy. I just used social and, and some other email lists that I had created to say, hey, here's this next idea I'm working on. Uh, if you want to hear about it first, you know, get on this list. So I launched it to that list first. Within 24 hours, the bidding was over $30,000 in the first go-round of, of selling my last name. And I was talking to CNN Money and a bunch of other people. And it was crazy. I mean, it really like, I didn't know if it was going to sell for 50 bucks or $2,000. I mean, I really had no clue. So it ended up selling after the 30 days of the auction for $45,500 to headsets.com. And funny enough, the guy who was bidding at the very last minute went over his budget by like 5,000 bucks. But it worked out okay for them. In the first couple months, they saw an increase in sales of $250,000 
from their $45,000 investment. And they had an outside company measure the PR exposure at over 6 million in PR impressions, which is pretty cool because it was on the homepage of USA Today, Fox and Friends. I, I was, I, that was like the live announcement. So it was really crazy. And, you know, there was you can imagine people didn't like the idea of me getting paid to wear T-shirts for a living. The emails that I got about selling my last name, Grant, were also pretty interesting. <laughs> Top notch. It brings out the uh, the who's who of, of human qualityness. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So whenever you do that, uh, I mean, obviously that's just that's insane. I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. <laughs> so you legally change your name to Jason. Yeah. At, at the time, it was JasonHeadsets.com. So literally spelled out the D O T C O M. Headsets.com. I got a lawyer. I went to the courthouse here in Florida. I sat in a courtroom with a bunch of people dealing with real legal issues. And then I had my like silly last name sale thing. And I felt like an idiot standing in front of the judge. And he asked a couple questions. You know, am I trying to avoid the law by changing my name? You know, have I been convicted of felonies? And um, I'd never been convicted of them. But standing in front of him, I almost said yes, just because I felt like so guilty that I was there, which is really odd. But yeah, you know, that was the hardest part of it. So I, I paid to change that. My credit cards all changed. I mean, everything. I, I did it everywhere. And, and the big sell for them was really just the exposure. I mean, at the time, I was still doing I Wear Your Shirt. So I was still constantly putting out uh, content. I was still interacting. I was still traveling around, speaking and doing stuff. And my name was just going to be attached to all of that. That's insane. All right. So then today for this year, your last name is Surfer App. Yeah, and I, I really didn't plan on selling it twice. I thought it was just going to be kind of a one and done because it's such a crazy idea. But with the success that Headsets.com saw and kind of in the middle of 2013 living with the last name, I realized that it, it wasn't like a big deal. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't a hindrance in my life. If anything, it's the only way I've ever made a TSA agent smile is having a crazy last name. But I, I just saw the opportunity and I met with a friend over some tacos and he was like, you know, are you ever going to write a book about all this stuff that you're doing? Like there's just so much crazy stuff that people could probably learn from. And I was like, yeah, I've thought about it for years and I just don't know how it would end. You know, I wear your shirt is not going where I thought it was going to go. I don't have like the then I made $10 million success story. He was like, that doesn't matter. Like, why don't you appeal to the people who are like you who, you know, are just going to keep going through these journeys. They're not necessarily going to be the, you know, Richard Branson's of the world or whatever. I was like, that's a really good point. You know, that's those are my people anyway. You know, the entrepreneurial community, the people who are starting their own things and, you know, just doing stuff and seeing what happens. So I, I thought about the byline of the cover of a book and said, I think that's a really interesting opportunity to have a company's brand, you know, kind of be associated with that in a way that's akin to what I've done. And so I did the second auction, another 30-day auction, launched it again, and the uh, this little surfing app called Surfer, S-U-R-F-R, they are basically kind of like Yelp for surfing, and, and they've created this really cool app uh, that's free. So if there's any surfers listening, check it out. But they won the auction at 50000 bucks, so it, it sold for more than it did the first year. And each year I donated 10% to charity, so there was even a good little help that I was able to help out you know, a small nonprofit and give them some money for this crazy idea. Are you going to do it again next year? No, I'm done. I've, <laughs> I think You're I've, turning I've, back. I think I've done, done enough with my last name. As much as I think I could probably sell it again, I'm... It just you know, it may not seem like it, but I'm not the type of guy that like just continues to sell stuff because I can. I want to actually feel great about it, and you know, I I've been called a sellout more times than I can count, and I always laugh at that because you know, for me, I think I was selling out when I was working a nine to five job and taking a paycheck doing work I hated, and that's what I think a sellout is. Everything I did with I Reassured or with my last name or with my book or anything else, 
I've loved every minute of it. I've controlled every minute of it. So to me, that's selling in, if you will, or whatever. I mean, that's yeah. really been enjoyable way for me to make money. So last name is going to change to a family last name. I found one that I really like, kind of buried in my family lineage. Not going to announce it publicly. I really would love to just change my name to just Jason, but I know that I can't be like Prince or Madonna. Like, I, you know, I don't have that kind of cred. But I think it's kind of it's interesting. I'm in this weird position where a last name just doesn't define me. You know, it doesn't it's not who I am. I'm I'm just Jason. I'm just a guy doing stuff. So, no more selling of the last name. I'm I'm good to go. Nice. Let's wrap up with this. I know there's a lot of people that maybe listen to this that are trapped in something that they hate, doing some type of job that it's just, you know, they want to eat and live indoors, so that therefore they got to work and make some type of living. But in the back of their mind they're like, "Man, I just I want to get out of this. I want to do something." Maybe for them they've got some type of just kind of outlandish crazy idea that like maybe they haven't even shared with anyone that hasn't even seen the light of day. And they're just kind of stirring around. Same type of thing that you had, like, can I make a living like <laughs> selling a shirt or selling my last name? And just all like these things that just kind of rattle in your mind that years ago, in hindsight, they're at the time, they're probably crazy. But in hindsight, you're like, man, I, I can't believe that actually worked out. So what would you say to them to just kind of uh, overcome that resistance and that mental barrier and, and, and just block to actually just try it? And whether it works or whether it's a huge disaster, you don't know unless, unless you try. What would you say to them? I would tell them that I was incredibly afraid and I had so much resistance, which is a great word that you just said, about starting I Wear Your Shirt and about selling my last name and really about everything that I've ever done. But the more that I've done stuff and the more that I put it out there in the world and not been afraid to just fail and learn from that process, the more I've been able to overcome that resistance faster with everything that I've done. So I would just tell people, you know, if you've got a side project or you've got an idea or you've got a kind of a burning feeling inside of you to do something different, just start doing it. You know, whatever the smallest thing is that you can do with the least amount of money and just to see if it works, to see if it resonates with people, to see if it solves a problem somewhere – just start doing it because that's the way that you're going to learn from that process. And, you know, like I said, that may not be the thing that leads you to leave your nine to five job or to make your next million dollars or whatever you want to do. But I bet it's a step in the right direction. And that, you know, taking some action is better than taking no action, which is something that I've really lived throughout my life. And the other thing is that you don't get what you don't ask for. And I live my life by this, Grant. And if you if you want something in this world, if you want to sell something, if you want to get on a podcast, I mean, we could have a whole show about how I got on this podcast because I emailed you cold about it, is that you don't get what you don't ask for. I wouldn't have been on this if I wouldn't have asked. Sure. And I wouldn't have done the things I've done over the years if I just wouldn't have been willing to ask. Because even if someone says no, it's not the end of the world. You can always move on and do something else. So yeah, just take action. You know, get out there, put your thing out there, just start doing stuff, you know, your business, whatever it is, just just put it out into the world. Excellent. Very good stuff. Hey, Jason, if we want to find out more about you, if people want to uh, stalk you online, where can we go? Yeah, jasondoesstuff.com. It's this place where I do all my stuff. So, you know, I have a weekly newsletter that goes out to the Action Army, as I call it, where I try and give some weekly advice, just doing stuff and, and coming up with entrepreneurial ideas and making them happen. But yeah, you can you can follow me there, jasondoesstuff.com, and all my social stuff is there. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate being on the show, Grant. It's been a blast. It's been fun, man. Looking forward to sharing it with everyone. So we will uh, we'll catch you soon. Thanks, man. Boom. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, with Jason, currently known as Surfer App. Yeah, just a crazy, crazy story there of some of the things that he's been involved in. But, you know, I hope that's inspiring. And I hope, you know, really that's part of the point of these interviews is is hopefully you're realizing and recognizing, man, if these people can make a living wearing T-shirts or selling their last name, then maybe that crazy idea that I've got, maybe, maybe it just might work. 
you know, sometimes we just automatically dismiss something as, well, that'll never work. But what if it did? Like, what if it actually, that thing that you've been tinkering with and playing with in your mind, what if that actually panned out? What if that played out and, and worked out well? Now realize again that he didn't just he didn't just quit his job overnight and and decide hey I'm going to uh, all of a sudden start wearing t-shirts you know even going back to whenever he left that the design position that he had he's set in place a six month plan he's going I'm going to give myself six months to make this work and then that then he started working towards it and making it happen instead of just going, ah, screw this. I don't want to do this. I got to get out of this. What do I want to do? Let's wear t-shirts. It wasn't like that. And so be open to some of the ideas that you've got, but be willing to make the plan and the strategy of how to get from where you hate to where you love. You can get all these show notes, links, everything we discuss. As always, you can go to grantbaldo.com slash Jason Surfer app, S-U-R-F-A, no, S-U-R-F, R-A-P-P. There we go. There we go. I got it. Don't you worry. I can spell people. Again, grandbaldo.com slash Jason Surfer app. Check out everything that we discussed. There. You can check out some of Jason's stuff. Crazy stories as he's got, but really good stuff there. Hey, I mentioned at the uh, the top of the show that we are doing this, this new course. The course is called Clarity Course. Because we found that that is really what people are looking for. They're looking for clarity. How do I find work I love? I know what I'm doing now is not it. I just don't know what I want to do. So many people are like, what, what do I want to be when I grow up? And people that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s are asking this question. What do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to do with my life? I don't want to just keep going through and plotting through doing work that I hate. I want to figure out something I'm really, really into and dig. So we're putting together this course. We're going to be telling you more about it in the coming weeks. But if you are interested in this, if this hits if this scratches the itch that you've got and you're going, man, I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to know more. You can go to grantbaldoncom slash clarity. Again, that's grantbaldoncom slash clarity. We've got a wait list there. You can hop on that list and uh, that way we will keep you updated whenever the, uh, the course is live and in person and ready for you. So we will be sharing more about that at the end of November, early December, but want to give you a heads up on that. So again, if you want to get on that wait list, you can go to grantbaldoncom slash clarity. All right. I think that wraps up episode 51, boys and girls. As always, feel free to email me, grant at grantbaldwin.com. Anytime uh, I can answer any questions you've got, I'm always amazed that almost every day I get emails from people who uh, say, you know what, I've heard you say it long enough, so finally I'm going to email you. I don't even know that you're going to email me back. And then they're always surprised when I actually email back. Listen, if I tell you to email me and you've got something you're wrestling with or you want some feedback on, then email me. And don't be surprised if I respond because that's that's what I told you to do. So email me anytime, grant at grantbaldwin.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at Grant Baldwin anytime I can uh, help you kick around some stuff there. Hey, you're awesome. I dig you. Keep pushing, keep prodding, keep, you know, just keep, keep on keeping on. Boom. There you go. We'll talk to you later. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.